Mutual presents Arch Obler's Plays. The Mutual Broadcasting System has the pleasure of presenting the 13th broadcast of a special 26-week series of plays by radio playwright Arch Obler. In this series, we hope to bring you dramas full of the excitement and the meaning of plays told in relation to the expanding world we live in. Arch Obler has something to tell you about tonight's play. Last week, we told you tonight would bring you a comedy about the big shots, the holy moguls of our world. Well, that play just didn't right. Instead, here, and with much pleasure in the bringing, is that fine character actor, Morris Karnofsky, in a play about Dr. Bluff. <laughs> Crazy, crazy, crazy. No. I can't keep on talking like this. But I must, I must. Just think of things in your head isn't enough. You've got to talk them, put them to words, give them your ears. How could so much happen in these two hours? Yes, it's only two hours. Twelve o'clock and it started at ten. Now it's twelve. A minute two. No, twelve. Exactly two hours. So much. So much in two hours. Yes, better to talk out loud. Talk out for two hours. How was it? At ten, I came into my office, private door. Miss Cooper said... Good morning, Doctor. Just as always. Good morning, Doctor. Just as always. The reception room filled. Ah, everything's fine. In my private office, chrome, tile, walnut furniture. Five thousand dollars cash is costing. Doctor's office, you can't in Doctor Dayton. The funny doctor's office is in all America. I sat down in my office... I remember I buzzed Miss Cooper. Yes, Dr. Drayton. I said, And what little gems of sickness have you today, Miss Cooper? Quite a full morning, Doctor. Mrs. Smith Warren, Mrs. Esther Lawrence, utility Lawrence's. Two friendly patients, including that Catherine Taylor and Mrs. Porter phoned about. Oh, you can go to Greg. We told her to come back in two weeks. And What's the time talking about this patient, that patient? All at once. I heard another voice in the room. There was only Miss Cooper, and yet I heard another voice. You're looking smug as usual, Dr. Duff. Miss Cooper! How is the doctor? No. He said something. What? Well, yes, of course. He's telling you about the patient. He said something else. He did. No, no, doctor. I, I heard. He's telling you about the patient. I heard. Really, I didn't say anything. I talked about it. The test is so vigorously convincing that it goes. Thing. That's what I thought. Good morning, Dr. Bluff. I heard it so clearly. Well, no matter. The first patient? Dr. Drayton, dear, dear, Dr. Drayton, you must have listen to my, my heart is palpitating again. I know it, I know it. Different, it's different, it's palpitating as I hear them. I feel it. Infernal woman talking, talking. And while she was talking, suddenly I heard so clearly. I'll drink a little too much. You drink, Dr. Drayton. No, it's the cash you want, not drink. Well, you don't get cash from me. A check, and that's no good until Joe comes through with that alimony. Maybe I won't pay you at all. Then it's worth it. Need a trip. Amen. Jump to my feet. Slam the bell. Oh. What is it, Dr. Dixon? 
No one in the room but you. Oh, the doctor wasn't aware of you. Uh, I heard you. Yes, while you were talking. Doctor, what on earth is No one here but you and I. No one. Oh, doctor, that's in my heart. You tried all the I heard it most distinctly. While she'd been talking, another voice talking. Her voice. No, not quite like her voice. And yet her voice. I, I got rid of her somehow. Another patient? Yes, yes, I'm back, Doctor. After that approach was finished, Uncle, I shouldn't come back, but here I am. You may examine me. It is Smith Warren, old crow. Sickness of living too long. Started to examine. And then I heard. No good. Again another voice. No good, Father. Old woman sitting there, not talking, and yet I heard. Get a younger, Doctor. The lips weren't moving. Just like your hands. What I was hearing. Old hands like mine. It was strange. Brown spots. What was in her mind? What she was thinking? What she was thinking? That was it. That voice, the thoughts in her mind. That was it. Another voice, the thoughts in the minds of the others. That's what I heard. It was incredible. Impossible. The thoughts in the mind of another was I in my mind. I remember I called the nurse back. She came into the room. As she came closer to the bed, I heard. All right. What's the trouble now, Doctor Black? He hadn't said a word, and yet I heard. What's the trouble now, Doctor Black? I said, did you think what? Oh, no, Doctor. Been hitting the bottle again, Doctor Black? Stop whispering. I haven't said anything. I haven't said anything. It was true. It was true. She hadn't spoken. I knew it. I knew it. So I said, don't lie to me. I heard you. You're drunk, little man. You are drunk. How dare you? I'm not drunk. How dare you say that? When I said not drunk, the face went white as if the blood in her head turned to water. Her mouth opened. She didn't say anything. And yet I heard. How did you know? I kept on hearing. I didn't speak. I didn't. She knows what I saw. Knows that I took Dr. Black. What? What? I heard you. Stop, 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 Yes, the voice. Yes, true. The thoughts in their minds. It is rushed into the room. Oh, Doctor. Yes. Dr. Drake, dear Doctor. Am I not? Dear Dr. Drake. I've been so impatient, Doctor. The other things I was hearing. That little man. That little man. Oh, please, please, come here. Here. How long? How long? How long? How long? The voice is in my head. I said, No! Oh, 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 oh. I sat in my office, alone, all of them gone. I just sat. Madness. I sat in my office, afraid to think. Madness. Horrible words, frightening words. Even to think of it, that it wasn't true, it wasn't. Yes, my mind was strangely sensitized to what people thought. Why not? Why not? You did not talk it out. Yes. If I could tell someone, explain. Fred. Yes, Fred Kendall. Good old Fred. I called him. Yes, good old Fred. Hello? Is Dr. Kendall in? 
Yes, yes, I want to talk to him. Uh, Dr. Grayson, hurry. Hello. Fred? Uh, this is uh, Emily Grayson. Uh, listen, listen, Fred, uh, come over right away. It's of the utmost importance. Yes, yes, most Good old Fred, best friend Fred. A good doctor didn't lose much money, not my class, but a good man, sensible, understanding. Well, Emily, <coughs> what is it? <laughs> Nothing too important, I hope. <laughs> a drink, Fred? I have a number of calls to make, Emily. Would you mind telling me that? Uh, yes, I... yes, yes, of course, Fred. I, I, I suppose I should preface it all with this. Uh, at school, ever since... Uh, I've always had a great deal of respect for you if I hadn't been able to do anything materially. It's only been through force of circumstances. All right, Dr. Ross. You said nothing? You said nothing? Wait, Dr. Ross, why you No, don't say that. What? What's the matter with you, Emily? I thought... Listen to me, Fred. Do you... Uh, do you think it's possible for a man uh, to say, well, I, I have a patient. He believes he can hear the thoughts of people around him. Say what you're up to, Dr. Ross. Dr. Bluff, Dr. Bluff, I heard him think it again, the same words the nurse. I said, Fred, are you listening to me? Why, of course I am. Why are you so excited about Dr. Bluff? Dr. Bluff, Dr. Bluff, Dr. Bluff, would he stop saying it? And why was he saying it? No, I didn't know the thought in his mind. Keep on talking, get his opinion. It wasn't madness, it wasn't, I had to know. Now, look here, Emily, this is my busy morning. I'm an unimportant practitioner, I know, but believe me, people are ill in my borough. I'm trying to tell you, this, uh, this patient, uh, as I was saying, thinks he hears voices, that is, the thoughts of people around him. You're even more stupid than I thought, Dr. Bluff. Don't you even know paranoia when you see it? Paranoia? I heard him say no, it wasn't true. Not madness. I was hearing his thoughts. Hanging, and I was hearing his thoughts. Allow to be said. Look, why? Think about me on this, Emily. I'm none of your gilded psychiatrists. Come to the point. Why did you send for me? Well, well, talk up, Dr. Bluff. Watch up your dirty sleeve. Why? He waited for me to speak. I began thinking that if I kept talking about it, this patient hearing things in his head, he began to suspect me. He thinks I was crazy. He grabbed and told people that... No. <laughs> you are clever, aren't you, Fred? Yes, yes. I, I, I had a rational reason for sending for you. Yes, indeed. I've, I've neglected you, Fred. I, I want you to help me on an obstruction case. Just this see, Fred. I'll see that you get that. And all the time I kept talking to him, I could hear him thinking, Doctor Blood, dear obnoxious, you know, Doctor Blood, you're in a jam. Know it. You want my help? Do you ever cure anything worse than a case of sniffles without help, Dr. Bluff? I could hear you. I could hear you, Dr. Bluff, Dr. Bluff, Dr. Bluff. How much last year? Forty, fifty thousand dollars. I make ten, you make fifty. If you're a pimple yet, Dr. Bluff, how's Mr. Neen? How soon do you start telling me how wonderful you are, Dr. Bluff? I began to realize he was making fun of me and his thoughts. But it couldn't be true. Not word. He, he, he respected me. Dr. Bluff, Dr. Bluff, Dr. Bluff, Dr. Bluff. No, no, that name. Why should he? 
Why should Miss Cooper, why should they call me that name? Dr. Emery, please race. Respected. The respected Dr. Emery, please race. Always respected. Office, Park Avenue. Listen to the best in the city. Waiting list of people. Of course, of course, always respected. $9,53,359.42. $53,359.42. Yes. All that money takes its pay to money because it respected me. Yes. Packed for packed. Dr. Blast, Dr. Blast. Where did we think that? He's jealous of me. <laughs> Some man was jealous of my success. Telephone rang as I was sitting there. Medical meeting at noon, Doctor. Just a reminder. Just a reminder. Medical meeting at noon? Oh, yes, yes. I'd go there. Oh, my colleague. Pleasant, charming. Fred Kendall, he'd upset me. He'd jealousy upset me. I go to meeting. Calm down, I thought. Poor, unsuccessful Fred with his double little orders and his double little patience. Let him be jealous. I had what I had. Money, position, respect. <laughs> Poor, jealous Fred. Laughing at him, I almost forgot about the thoughts. I forgot until I went out of the office into the elevator. Going down, Doc? Went into the elevator. Only passenger. Larceny, fathead. I wasn't sure that I heard. Say your hot stuff and end your own toenails, Doc. Twenty-five bucks a crack. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? He didn't know what I was yelling about. I thought I'd gone crazy. The street. My car at the curb. Chauffeur. My face must have shown my excitement. Chauffeur said. Is there something wrong, Doc? My dear, it isn't. Yes, sir. Riding down, so confused, everything so confused. But where they think of me, that way, how dare they, Cooper, where are those women, little fool in the elevator, none of my ability, important. How dare they talk like that? As he drove around, I realized I wasn't here in thought. Ah, the hallucination broke. I was free of it. I felt fine. What I've been enjoying. All oh, right, forget it, I told myself. Don't think about it. Got to the medical club. Late. Hurried into the room where the meeting was to be held. Room full of men. I'm calling. Oh, fine men. Substantial men. Best actors. Good freedom. Dr. Strauss and Dr. Ellingson and Dr. Edwards and Dr. Chester. Oh, all of the best men in town. No petty jealousies there. Up <laughs> the bracket men. Fine men. I went in. Empty chair, Mr. Strauss. Good man. Practice worth 35 years. It's worth a cent. I said, Hello, Strauss. He looked up at me. Maud's looking, clever eyes of man looking at me. I said, I want my challenge at you. And then, something in my head. I heard. So can I help myself? Dr. Bluff. Dr. Bluff. I was hearing that it happened again. Hearing talk. So are you standing there with your mouth open like a goldfish? Sit down, Dr. Bluff. Dr. Bluff. Stop. Please. Stop. Please. Aloud, he said, Well, it isn't to your left there, Dr. Drake. Don't stand there. Sit down, Drake. You're too late to eat, but not late enough for the speaker. I couldn't speak. I sat down, looked around me, could hear the murmur of their voices, and above their voices, that other sound. The thoughts in them, 
Someone down the table called. Greetings, Dr. Bartman, good man, fine practice. How does that gentleman come to make us ready? I heard my voice say, Fine, fine. Then I heard. Did you lose a hat for Dr. Bluff? Who held your hand while you did it, Dr. Bluff? Sure it was a hat you took out, Dr. Bluff? Sure it wasn't the thyroid of the liver? No. It couldn't be thinking like that of me. Not these men. Did your nurse operate for you? You're going to write a book about it, Bluff, eh? Where now the funeral services, Dr. Bluff? Is it true you split it here with your foot? It's true. They were thinking that of me. The chairman, the speaker of the day. And so, gentlemen, I ask your attention for a few well-chosen words from our distinguished guest. The head of the Canada Research Hospital is Dr. Frank Simmons. Dr. Jennings. Jennings, great man. Got up, caught my eyes, smiled. I hardly heard him begin. In my head, the papers have been taken. It couldn't be seen. Gentlemen, this is the first time that I have addressed your luncheon club because, frankly, the medical profession, like most professions, is affected with too much thought and too little action. Too many medical men talk research, too few practice it. The result, as far as original work in the science of medicine is concerned, is that the sum total of research in this city is uh, smaller than the meat course you just served me for lunch. <laughs> you men represent the elite of the medical profession in this community. The elite, presumably intellectually as well as, uh, unfortunately, from a financial standpoint. I coupled the word financial with unfortunately because most of you, as soon as you started making money, substituted golf clubs for scalpers and tennis rackets for test tubes. There are few of you, therefore, I say, and those few know who they are, I say, spend a little time in between collecting fees and research. It may not pay off in duplex apartments, but believe me, you'll find satisfactions beyond price. Others of you here, well, I'm very happy for all of us that you do stay away from the laboratories. You are doctors the way a man is a salesman or a broker or a truck driver. So much time spent for so much money. You give a service and you are paid. And that is all. And that is all right. Then he looked down the long table at me. Others of you, you shouldn't have bothered becoming doctors. Floor walkers, yes. Managers of ladies' dress shops, yes. But not doctors. He's talking about Dr. Black. I've heard someone think that. There is a place in the medical profession for both the idealist and for the materialist, but not for the incompetent fool, the thought who does not diagnose properly, nor does he cure. Yet, Hippocrates in all his glory never was more sanctimoniously self-important. Oh, Dr. Bluff, so help. Another one at the table thinking that. They squeeze through a medical education by the grace of God, a glib tongue, and soft-hearted examiners. They build up a practice by politics, charming manners, and a colossal ability to bluff. Dr. Bluff. <laughs> a 
I can't hear it anymore. Don't try to be 
Daddy. No, no, I don't want to frighten you. It's gone. Gone again. Not for good. I can't hear what, what people think. I know now I won't ever hear it. Daddy. No, no, I won't frighten you. Believe me. Poor Daddy. Why do you say it? Daddy, I'm tired. Yes. I am tired. I am. It's, it's been such a strange day.
Ben Atkinson.